0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program was brought to you by Fairway
2: Market, like no other market. A New York City institution that sells the best local, national, and international artisan foods for prices that can't be beat. For more information, visit fairwaymarket.com.
1: This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. there, you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, and this is Eat Your Words. My name is Kathy Irway, I'm your host, and um, my guest today, a wonderful, legendary, pioneering restaurateur. Um, she may not have just the same name recognition as Alice Waters, but she's actually been pioneering concepts around sourcing from local, sustainable farms in her region, and just advocating for for greater food awareness and for greater food policies um, throughout the U.S. during her career. Um, She has also just written a beautiful memoir called My Organic Life, and I'm speaking with Nora Poulian. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm so glad that you could make it here to Brooklyn (laughs) as part of... um, uh, this wonderful books uh promotion um my organic life how a pioneering chef helped shape the way we eat today it is really a wonderful story
2: well thank you thank you i'm glad you had a chance to read it
1: yeah i'm i'm going to read um uh much more and i'm looking forward to also checking out more of your recipes because i know you've had some award-winning cookbooks so um i'm i'm all Nora fan right oh. now <laughs> thanks to that's this that's great um And with uh, such an evocative and lovely book, I would love to start off with just by reading a little excerpt, if you don't mind. Okay. 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 So this is early on. You're talking about growing up in Vienna. The farm worked according to the rhythms of the day and the seasons. Every morning and evening, Nani would milk two cows. She poured the milk she collected into a separator and turned the handle. And out from one tube came milk and out the other cream. Cream was like gold to them. After the war in Vienna, we got used to eating dollops of whipped cream on our desserts, but here, that was an unheard of extravagance. Nani would collect the cream until she had enough to make butter, a task she performed every two weeks. I would watch as she poured the cream into the big wooden barrel with a handle and began to churn it. When the cream became clumpy, she would add ice, cold water from the spring to rinse off the butterfat. She shaped the butter into loaves with her hands, then rolled them with a wooden tool that imprinted a design on top. Every farm had its own design, so you could always know where that butter came from. I love that detail, that added touch that showed a pride of their work, a way of caring for the food and its provenance and for the simple beauty of what you ate.
2: Oh, I think it's wonderful the way you edit it. It makes me cry. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: it's, it's just a beautiful and, and really telling glimpse into... Um, of, uh, you know, how you were raised and around food. And I know you grew up um, right around the war um, mm-hmm. when food was scarce and it was something to respect and, and treat with a reverence.
2: I think, I think it was really this first experience that, uh, you know, uh, like so much in your life when it happens, you don't realize what an impact it had on you. Right but uh, this had an enormous impact on you though, to uh, live on this farm, this self-sufficient farm in the in the Alps, in the mountains of Tirol, uh, where these farmers had actually to grow and raise the food to sustain themselves for the whole year for four people and mm-hmm. us too And I, it, I just remember the, they didn't waste one thing. They worked from morning to evening and... Uh, I just, uh, I, I just remember that uh, I had so much uh, um, admiration from that. And I think from there, I have the feeling that you should not waste food. You should everything, use everything, and you should definitely be full of admiration for the farmers, the people that grow your food, because They have to work so hard, you know, they have to work so hard, and they are at the mercy of the weather, Mm -hmm. you know. I have seen them lose all their wheat, uh, uh, which meant their bread for the next year because of a terrible uh, hailstorm, and uh, it really gives you a big respect for food.
1: Whether war or weather or something, and I think it's wonderful that even though they work so hard, they, they put that wonderful... Beautiful little mark on the butter, you know, as a decoration. <laughs> yeah, taking yeah. such pride in it, still.
2: So. Yeah, and even their their uniform or their their special clothes they want to go to church. It's just gorgeous. It just oh. was beautiful. These dirndls with velvet, and they had on these special hats made out of felt, and uh, it, it 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 they had even in this uh, very difficult rustic. Uh, a difficult time and rustic place, they had still uh, a sense of uh, pride and uh, of tradition, I guess to continue
1: they had character they yes, they, they had they, much character, and the food did too. It sounds like very much so well yeah it
2: was it was what they grew and mm-hmm. uh, so they utilized uh, uh, the things they had they raised and what they grew and mm-hmm. and uh, so it was very simple food, but it was original food you know it right. was really true food
1: local food <laughs> you could mm-hmm. say um i love that the, the the title is sort of a play on words with my organic life and um of course you are renowned for opening the first certified organic restaurant mm. in the united states but um on the other hand this book reads like a a, a wonderful poem in and how you came into becoming a restaurateur even how you came to the United States in the first place was for love. And then you started cooking, uh, you know, dinner parties and then teaching cooking classes, not thinking, you know, not planning this out. It just sort of organically happened that you became a restaurateur. Yeah,
2: absolutely, absolutely right. It, it such followed, you know, a, a, a sort of a line, a sort of stream, a ribbon. I mean, it was, uh, uh, you know, n- being exposed to this farm, uh, going to the French school where I, uh, I was served as recourse lunch every day, mm-hmm. and uh, having parents that were very health conscientious, and uh, my mother was a good cook, and coming to this country with a Frenchman, having to learn how to cook, to cook you know food that my French husband uh,
1: liked. Wanted
2: to eat, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And being in this country where it was very difficult to find the kind of ingredients that I was used to in Europe, you know, everything was here so packaged and Prepackaged and sterile And you couldn't touch it and you couldn't Communicate, there was no butcher And no baker and just this uh, Sort of very anonymous uh, Big grocery stores And then you know how I really got into food and Entertaining and then my friends asked me To help them Entertain dinner parties and then Asked me to teach them how to cook And mm-hmm. then the cooking school went into a uh, Catering business And then went into my first uh, restaurant uh, at uh, at a small uh, bed and breakfast in Washington, and there it uh, I met my partners, and then mm-hmm. I turned into Noah's, and Noah's uh, is now thirty six years old. Wow,
1: In and Washington D.C.
2: Yes, that's the-
1: wonderful. Um, I, I love that you don't shy from kind of describing all the the hardships and the. You know, the organic, let's say, slip-ups along the way And, and every not every dinner party was a total success I'm sure you guys are imagining Nora's dinner parties right now As being these pristine, wonderful, <laughs> smooth-sailing things But you talk about an instance where everyone's drunk Before you could get the chicken cooked properly And it was raw <laughs> And, you know, these things are actually what happened
2: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah That they were learning experiences And, I mean, I think... Uh, experiences like this really propel you forward Because you learn, I learned that uh, uh, the oven farm height is not the same as centigrade And that <laughs> if I cook a whole chicken, it takes much longer than if I do <laughs> half a chicken And uh, I remember once uh, inviting friends over That was much later I, I had uh, my own kitchen And I was not that used to a broiler And mm. uh, Uh, It was gas, my broiler The broiler normally I used were electric And so I remember Making some puppy yachts for dinner And we were sitting in the living room uh, Drinking some wine And suddenly the daughter said Look, the smoke here. My eyes are watering. Oh, no. And I went into the kitchen and I had turned on the broiler. And so the, the papillons had gotten on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and my friends still de- say today that from that moment on, they didn't feel uncomfortable inviting me for dinner. <laughs> because if I can burn it, you know, bring on flame, that's they can do that too.
1: That's so true. That's very empowering, I think. <laughs> Anyone who's afraid of hosting... Um, Yeah, don't be afraid to slip up. But um, also, uh, I I find it really interesting, you know, you're talking about how the food was so different when you came to the U.S. um, And uh, there's so much to say about that um, uh, compared to, you know, what you grew up with. But uh, one of the first um, things that you sort of latched on to, it sounds like, were the ethnic groceries Mm -hmm. around D.C., where you could explore, you know, everything from African and produce to... Who knows what? I'm not sure. I'm well, it,
2: it, it was, uh, there were a French and Italian and Middle Eastern grocery store and, of course, an African-American. I mean, it was, they were the only places really where I recognized the food, food. Uh, that <laughs> I am used to. And, uh, and you know, the Italian had olive oil and had great Italian bread, and not wonder bread, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. Many people forget that, but in the 60s and in the 70s, uh, I think, uh, it was really a culinary wasteland here. Mm. I mean, it was very sad. Yeah. You, nothing was seasonal You could never find any The produce department in the grocery store Were the smallest department They looked the same all year different it was That must have deep. been
1: shocking <laughs> It, was. <laughs> that it was. was
2: But you know it. on the other hand I think uh, because of that I started to research food And I, because of that I came uh, to learn about um, uh, You know the uh, agricultural Practices in this country And because of that I, I learned about all the pesticides and all the hormones and antibiotics that are put in our food, and I think that really uh, uh, you know guided me to say no i don 't want to be part of that and that 's how I became mm-hmm. so passionate about organic mm-hmm.
1: food and you went around teaching that and 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 advocating for that and because a lot of people didn 't really know what the story was behind well, the food system.
2: Well, they still so don't know today. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. many people still don't know. I think I'm always amazed when, when I talk to with people and I do some some of my presentations. the questions I get asked you know, how, how people really are not aware. For instance, uh, with farmers' market, uh, you know, local food or farm-to-table food, what it's called now, which I think is really a, a very a weird name because
1: farm-to-table is yeah. yeah.
2: Well, I mean, even McDonald's is farm to table. So, so what is so great? But anyway, the local food and and uh, and people automatically and farmers market. So people automatically assume that everything is organic, right. but it's not true. It's unfortunately not true. And and uh, like for instance, the farmers market in Dupont Circle in Washington D.C. that I sort of inspired to start. You know, I sort of started it. I gave it a jump start by uh, by uh, uh, advocating that we needed a consumer-only, uh, a producer-only farmer's market. And, and there, there must be like 35 different farmers and only four of them are organic. Really?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Well, I think that you have a lot of good ideas, yeah, for ways that we can kind of spread greater awareness. And I loved how lovingly you described some of the farms that you we're working with The farms that you met And, and sought out To supply your restaurant mm-hmm. Like the meat suppliers And um, so forth Which I, I guess Many chefs are following Your footsteps doing uh,
2: but, but I, I think they
1: have it Much lighter now Because when mm-hmm. I started I had to buy the whole
2: animal <laughs> And so I had to buy A, a thousand pound uh, Hanging weight beef That had, you know Seven hundred pounds Of ground well. meat And so I had to think about What do I do With all this ground meat And I That's how it was. That's a challenge. Yeah.
1: Wow. (laughs) So, what do you? What would you say are? I guess the next biggest challenges. Um, Say, I guess, in restaurants, since that's your one of your specialties. What? What should we do more of? More composting. I know Mm -hmm. you're a big fan of that. More. What do we need to accomplish? Um, well, I,
2: I think I really think that we need to be more informative and more educated. I think that uh, uh, in schools and culinary schools, I think uh, there should be a, a mandatory that you work on the farm for uh, mm. three months or even longer. I mean, every painter That's, learns about. Uh, I know. will
1: sign up for that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And I think they should have also nutrition classes because uh-huh. I think uh, when we see our health problems in this country, it's not only that our food is not wholesome and and is full of these chemical additives, but it's also uh, the preparation we do. I think so much in, in uh, chefs and uh, restaurants, they are very creative, but they don't think about the nutritional value and that they really... Mm. Uh, Put yeah. so much uh, fat and sugar and salt in their food, right. and it's like and
1: flavor over nutrition.
2: Yeah, so. and I think you can have it both. both I think yeah. in the Mediterranean cuisine, you see how they flavor with, you know, uh, uh, herbs and spices and you know, garlic and olive oil Which are and good for you. yeah, mm-hmm. and lemon. I think I think there are other ways than fat, sugar, and salt, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I think. Uh, when we look at the health uh, problems in this country, we have to change. And I think, uh, unfortunately, human beings have to be like nearly destroyed before they change. <laughs> but I think we are we are close to that. I mean, if you yeah. look at the cost of our health and in this country and if you look, you know, en- environmental cost, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the climate change and the loss of our topsoil and... Uh, you know, it's yeah, just Yeah,
1: where's this breaking point? Are we, you know Yeah, I think we are we close have, Yeah
2: <laughs> I think we are probably 70 to eight seventy percent there I think we should really uh, change And I think we do
1: The time is now
2: I think we have I mean, considering that I have this restaurant for 36 years I mean, I could never have done an organic, a certified organic restaurant 36 years ago But I could do it 16 mm-hmm. years ago And now when you go to any kind of grocery store you find a little organic section i mean that's wonderful
1: that is a good development i
2: mean uh, to find organic food in the 70s and even in the 80s was a big challenge yeah
1: now i can find it in my bodega so (laughs) um let's cut to a quick little musical interlude and we'll be right back to chat more okay
0: Yo brother, you've been spreading honey. Won't you tell your sister you've been spreading honey? Won't they come along and spread some honey too? Oh, won't they come along and spread some honey too?
1: We're back chatting more with Nora Pouillon, the author of My Organic Life, and she's also the rest- legendary restaurateur of Restaurant Nora. Mm-hmm. So, Thank you. And, and she's just visiting us um, from her busy schedule running that restaurant in DC. And uh, I, I feel like we didn't really get into enough of your life just yet, but just to kind of focus on. Organic and what that means, and how that's changed. Because I'm really curious how it was that you received um, the certification for organic restaurant, and that was a big milestone. Mm-hmm. And uh, how was it regarded? Well, kind of seven, uh, um, regarded,
2: actually, it was not that much acknowledged in the press. I was sort of disappointed that I had. Uh,
1: that's not a big achievement, though. I I mean, all that no. sugar, <laughs> you had to find all that. Who knows? I mean,. Every single thing every Well, lemon. you
2: have you have to prove that uh, At least 95% of whatever comes into a restaurant Comes from certified organic sources And you're inspected once a year And, and so I had a lot of local farmers that uh, Not a lot, but I had some that refused to become certified So okay. I couldn't use them anymore And I had to find, uh, you know, organic sugar Organic coffee, organic salt Organic, you know Cloves of garlic yeah, yeah. yeah, everything And and uh, and actually the animals was the most difficult one To find people to raise for me or, or Chicken and ducks and beef and veal and pork I mean that was uh, the most difficult to find farmers Who mm-hmm. wanted to do it in bet. a bet, yeah,
1: rabbit or something like that The,
2: the, so, the, so, the whole process took two years yeah. It took two years oh to do uh, first of all, I had to find a certification agency That I found And uh, Oregon Tills And they said they would certify me But they said we have to create the standards first <laughs> So together we worked for two years And in 1999
1: oh, wow. so you really uh, made that happen
2: I, we, yeah, yeah, mm. we had to because it had never been done before For a restaurant I mean, there certif- was certification for a store And for a manufacturing plant And for for mm-hmm. um, uh, um a farm, but right. there was not for a restaurant, and right. so we had to create that. but you know it happened, and the funny thing was uh, that uh, the woman who took it on Yvonne Frost was the president of Oregon tills, and she was afraid of airplanes and so <laughs> <laughs> she took the train across from Oregon to <laughs> Washington to certify <laughs> me so but that was a wonderful day uh, and uh, I was so surprised because when I uh, uh, informed the press about it, uh, uh, they really didn't understand the accomplishment wow. of it. And it was only in the New York Times, my uh, uh, my friend Elizabeth Becker, who did uh, really a big uh, story about it.
1: Okay. So do you think it's worth, because I meet a lot of smaller, you know, independent businesses and farms that don't feel that it's worth it right now mm-hmm. for them to get that organic certifications and that that you know that's more of like a big business type of thing because they can afford that marketing budget but do you think it was worth it for you in the end oh yeah, yeah definitely
2: yeah. i think it uh, i think uh you know i think if you if you are an individual and you go to a farmer's market and you have the opportunity to talk with the farm mm-hmm. and find out about yeah. when he sprays and what he sprays and if he sprays uh that's one thing but if you sell in a restaurant uh, uh you know to people you actually don't know and you get things like oranges bananas from California and uh, and uh, and uh, so uh, you have you have no control and mm-hmm. no communication with the farmer. I think it's very important to be certified organic and I think uh, in a farmer's market uh, environment you you uh, you can ask the farmer about their practices and they can tell you, well, I spray only then and then and I only spray once but uh, uh, you know i think I think uh, if you have a restaurant and to tell to give the confidence to your yes. customers that uh, what they eat and what is on their plate is all pure and wholesome and high nutritional value and without any of the chemical additives. I mean, I, I feel I had to get uh, certified. Yeah.
1: And you have that, that now, you have that badge to, to hold up and stand behind. And I think it was a very bold uh, undertaking, but mm. it it's it means a lot because I think that there's a lot of restaurants that are, say they're sort of farm to table like you said which i don't know now i'm like what does that mean (laughs) so it's it's really um it's really proof
2: I wanted, I wanted, I was hoping it would inspire more people, but unfortunately, there are only like a handful of certified organic restaurants in the country. It's a a big job, and as people say, you have Mm -hmm. to be nuts to do it, but (laughs) I mean, I think you have to be really passionate and dedicated to do it, and uh, that's how I felt. I felt that uh, I wanted to, I mean, that's how I live myself, I feel Mm -hmm. that. Uh, you know, I feel the most important thing in your life is to stay healthy. My father always said, no money in the world can buy your health. You better take care of it. That's true. And uh, I, I, I feel that uh, health is not only health, not being sick. Mm-hmm. Health means also feeling good and, you know, feeling good in your mind and spirit too and in your body. And I, I feel it the only way to achieve that is to nourish your body with the best possible, most wholesome ingredients you can find. and that includes of course food and water mm-hmm. very important and we really don't have that much control over our air unfortunately. Yeah.
1: well, I, I think that it's just wonderful how you shared these um, shared the wisdom that you've gained too um, through your upbringing. I I remember reading that your, your mother would give um, or make garlic toast for <laughs> something like worms. <laughs> and then um, there's a oatmeal with grated apples for an upset stomach. Mm. Um, nettles for thicker hair.
2: <laughs> Nettle tea. Yeah. Nettle
1: tea. And um, tomato and cucumbers on the skin for sunburn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot more of those, but um, just that knowledge that you have um, with ingredients and just like nature, I, I can imagine all these um, sort of pieces of wisdom being translated into a product with maybe like a cucumber on the bottle. But <laughs> I think that it's wonderful if you just kind of step back and, and take in these lessons.
2: Oh, yeah. thank you. But I think I think all, uh, uh, all answers to our ills uh, are in nature. Mm-hmm. And it's just that we have forgotten about it because science became so popular and so much uh, appreciated and uh, taken for only the true word. But I think nature has uh, really uh, a lot of very good uh, recipes. I mean, I think if you run over by a car, I think it's very good to go to an emergency room <laughs> and to have a surgeon and a doctor look at it. But, you know, if you have headaches or if you have a cold or if you have... You know, uh, uh, you know, ailment in your hip or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think there are lots of uh, or a sunburn or be think there are lots of uh, remedies that you can uh, uh, do yourself. Us with uh, with nature.
1: That, that's one of uh, that's a really lovely takeaway for me. It's something so practical that you can, anyone anyone can just start doing mm-hmm. right now. Um, another thing that, well, something that hasn't been forgotten so much from your particular brand of cooking or food philosophy um, is the the sort of Mediterranean and provincial style that you were that you were making back in the seventies and DC. And this was so different from what you describe as a sort of stuffy french food that was m- mostly it in restaurants um well you know in that time uh and that time
2: and this is also i think when alice uh, started because at that time a french restaurant imported all their food from france and italian mm-hmm. restaurant imported all their food from italy and i think uh that's uh, when uh, I I decided I don't want to have anything to do with French food because on top of the French food that was popular was the cream sauces okay. and, and the butter sauces and the whole very stiff, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, service. And uh, you had to dress up and be proper and know how to use a, a knife and a fork to peel an orange basically nearly. And so I, I wanted to be the opposite. I wanted to give people really good food, you know, just Food from the earth, just really good food, but that tastes delicious, and still in an elegant setting. Mm-hmm. But you could come as you liked; you did, like your home, like you know. your everyday food. Yes, yeah, and also the the atmosphere in the restaurant is more home; like it's not uh, it's not pretentious.
1: Mm-hmm. I was going to say, yeah, unpretentious food yeah. and.
2: And uh, I have people sometimes coming in their jogging shorts and some people coming in their cocktail dresses and <laughs> they sit next to each other and they're all treated the same way. And oh, I think wow. that was really important to me.
1: So so having a restaurant in D.C., you mentioned one of your earliest customers was Ralph Nader or, uh, <laughs> or clients or regulars. Yeah. Who who's some of your regulars now that you want to... Well,
2: I have a lot mm. of people from the Hill that come... Uh, I had uh, Larry David come last week, you know, cool. for Cur- <laughs> Your Enthusiasm, but I have also, of course, all the presidents came to West London, even the Republicans, but they didn't come. <laughs> they sent their wives, and uh, what? Uh, the okay. Obamas came twice already, and uh, people from his administration come a lot. And uh, I have also, uh, uh, you know, uh, rock groups and, uh, you know, musicians and... Uh, uh, writers and uh filmmakers i mean it it uh, it uh, it has become so the word got around so if people are real a little bit into more um sustainable living or mm. more into uh food that is more original and good for them they they come to my restaurant so it's it's People are excited when sometimes people, oh, I was at your restaurant and I sat next to Caroline Kennedy or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they like mm-hmm. to, no. to say that.
1: That's a great reflection, though, of your, of your restaurant. And that's um, oh, really fun. <laughs> can I come? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You could be like, Kathy, I was here. I like, <laughs> Um, so I guess that's about all the time we have for today Okay Thank you yeah. so much for
2: joining us, Nora Thank you so much for having me I think it, it, it's always nice to talk about the food and about my passion Because I hope with everything I say I inspire other people to do the same Your message Because I'm, I'm just a regular person I'm not a scientist I'm even right. not a learned cook But uh, the idea is that uh, to tell the people and with the book too Is if I can do it, so can you
1: Yes absolutely well your words will not be forgotten we really appreciate it all right thanks everyone at heritage and thanks so much Nora. please check out my organic life it's now on bookshelves from knopf we'll see you next week on eat your words Thanks for listening.
0: That you Yeah, you made me feel so good inside. That oh oh, oh oh, babe you really wanna know That I ain't never, 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 never had no loving like this be